What is up, everybody? Tori McElhaney, Taryn Walk, and Amna Subhan here. We are coming to you, what, like 24 hours post Raheem Morris introductory press conference? I know you're really mm-hmm. big on time. It's no, over, over it nine minutes past 24 hours from the start <laughs> of the press it. conference. Okay, we were really. So one hour, nine minutes. We were really close. But we're. No, not that. One day, one, in nine minutes. There you go. He started. Okay. So now that everybody has the timing of when this is being recorded, we're coming off of this press conference where Raheem Morris was officially introduced as the Atlanta Falcons head coach. And it's coming about, what, 10, 11 days after the news initially hit. And they what they've been doing, I guess, as is building a staff out. Like, that's mm-hmm. been the main point of the last 10 days. And this is really the first time that we've had a chance to talk to not only Raheem Morris in this role, but also first time that we've had the chance to talk to Terry Fontenot. Mm-hmm. Since the season ended, since parting ways with Arthur Smith. So it really did feel like this was day one of something new. Um, I, I, I kind of want to just start off getting y'all's initial reaction to the press conference as a whole. Like what, what when you were in there, when you were listening to Raheem and Terry and... Greg Beatles, the team president. What were what were the vibes like? Were the vibes high? Is what oh, I'm yeah. curious about. <laughs> Immaculate, <laughs> Immaculate vibes. Oh, I don't know if I go that far. <laughs> <laughs> Raheem did say when he like sat down, he was like, "This seems like a tight group. Like y'all got to loosen up a little bit." <laughs> yeah, but I think that's what stuck out to me most is it didn't seem like this was a new guy. Yeah, because I mean he is back. He mm-hmm. was here for six years, back a few years ago. Again, yeah. the, the years themselves are escaping my mind. What was it? 2000? It, he was here until 2020. Yeah, so yeah. 2020 minus six yeah. years is yeah. when he started. 2015 was when he got here. <laughs> ah. um, I feel like all the numbers are just running through my mind at right. once when I think about all the different people that were interviewed. Mm-hmm. But it didn't feel like, hey, like this is a new guy. You need to meet him. He was like naming people left and right in yeah. the crowd. Like He knew you from when you worked mm-hmm. here in 2020, and he was here. Did not know me, but that's okay. He will now. (laughs) He he now knows And (laughs) I think that's something that'll help when there are so many, and we'll get into the staff, I'm sure, when there are so many returning staff members from Mm -hmm. last year already that it's not like there's this brand new guy who's going to come shake things up. It just feels like a continuation with a new front face. Yeah, like kind of like a new uh, energy Mm -hmm. inserted into- Oh, he had energy. Right. Oh, yeah. I don't think he stopped smiling the entire time. Like we were- It was contagious. It was. I was like, oh, stop. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that infectious energy that I felt like everybody always talks about with Raheem. And it was something that even when I was covering the team in 2020, you could feel it through a Zoom call Mm. because that was when COVID protocols were a thing. COVID was a thing. The pandemic was in full swing. (laughs) (laughs) And you could feel that energy, I think, through that screen and seeing him in person. It was like the person who I saw through a a Zoom call, through a Teams call, was the exact same person who was sitting up there at that podium. And whether or not we were, I think, in a press conference scenario, you had a one-on-one walk and talk with him. I ran into a Gatorade bin. She did do that. It's fine. She's fine. Don't worry. Um, (laughs) But we were, he was the same guy regardless of where we were. And I think that is something that doesn't always happen when you have that many eyes on you. And I thought that was pretty refreshing to see. He talked a lot about coming home. Yeah. And he's a New Jersey native, but like he feels like Atlanta is home. And while, you know, maybe. His kids were born here. Yeah. And while this is like, you know, a returning thing, it definitely felt like a fresh 
a fresh start right. and like a new page yeah. in this organization. Yeah. No, that's a good point. And it's it's funny too that that you talk about like coming home because that was such a big talking point of all day yesterday. The whole entire day he was talking about this whole idea of coming home. And he's right. He said this on the plane on the way here that not often in the NFL do you get the opportunity as a coach to come home or to go back to a place where you were, especially so recent. That's yeah. what, that's what's so crazy about all of this is like we're talking about recent history that he was here, not like years and years ago. Like this happened within three years. So the fact that he can kind of tell you about the moments of the of the history that really spoke to him. I mean, Ahmed, there was a story that you wrote after the press conference ended, and I thought that it was one of those stories that we could have overlooked the, these comments that he made about how impactful the Super Bowl loss in the at the end of the 2016 year into 2017 how that impacted him we could have looked over that I'm sure some people would have and I, oh yeah and I'm sure some people <laughs> would I, I have. heard it I heard you on Twitter right yeah <laughs> we know we don't want to talk about it but I thought that I, it actually was very profound the way that Raheem Morris kind of looked the elephant in the room up and down and was like I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm going to welcome it in because it was the seven-year anniversary of that Super Bowl loss. And I think a lot of people could have just bypassed that. But he actually made a point to talk about it. And I'm not, I, I kind of wanted – since you wrote the story, I kind of wanted you to lay that out. Oh, yeah. And and I love a good parallel moment, like full circle moment. <laughs> right. Like I was like, it is February 5th. Yeah. Like this time, seven years ago, maybe not this time exactly, Tara, and I know. <laughs> now we're weird at times. <laughs> but like. I'm sure it was at night. <laughs> I'm Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So, but for him, like he, he said that that's the loss that stuck with him the most. It stung the most in mm-hmm. his, you know, entire career that dates back to like 98 when the Falcons were, you know, in their first Super Bowl. Right. Um. But he's ready to get redemption. And I, I love that attitude and, like, mm-hmm. just wanting to change that narrative. And Yeah. yeah. That, no, that was something that I think when I was listening to him talk, he was using, you know, obviously the buzzwords of, like, we want to change the narrative and using the word, like, redemption. But it was something that even in using kind of those buzzwords, it was something that I genuinely felt. Yeah, it he, felt very personal for him. Right, yeah. And therefore it kind of took that next step forward from just, like, you know, saying it front facing, like, right. of course, we want to, you know, win now and we want to win championships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, and it's it's interesting, too, because I think I said this on the radio or some other podcast. I can't remember where I said this. Probs just to me. Probs. Yeah. Also, probably <laughs> just to Taryn. They're in the car or something. So what I found so interesting is that I actually think that this was a smart move by Raheem to bring this up because it shows the fans that he can relate to them. Like, this is someone who's like, I know your pain because I was on that field. We've gone through some stuff together. To a certain extent, we're trauma bonded. Let's be <laughs> honest. Like, that was not fun. It was not a fun time for the organization. So he, him sitting there being like, it hurt me. Like, to my core, to the point where it's like, I have to come back here and do something better for this organization. I want to be a part of better for this organization. And he knows how to do that now. I mean, Mm -hmm. like, he won, obviously, in Tampa Bay, but, like, as the defensive coordinator, he went to L.A., he learned some lessons, Mm -hmm. and he's ready to bring it here to Atlanta. Yeah, so it's interesting, too, because we're talking about this whole energy shift with him. We're talking about how he connects to the fan base. But Taryn, I'm I'm really curious to to know your point of view, like from the points of being able to pull what Terry Fontenot said about the interview process. This is an interview process that we know is 
pretty extensive 14 interviews or 14 candidates over the course of 18 days, 18 interviews. What did you get from or what could you glean from what Terry Fontenot said? One, about the interview process and how they eventually landed on Raheem. So this story is to come. Um, (laughs) But one thing that really stood out to me and is why I wanted to write about it was both Greg Beatles and... Yeah, Terry Fontenot. They were both saying how, like, they really appreciated Raheem's transparency when it came to, like, I wasn't the best head coach back in the day. Mm -hmm. I have learned so much since those days, and this is what I've learned. They're like, he was vulnerable about it. Mm -hmm. And he expressed in those interviews, and they saw a change in him how he can now be better, how he isn't the same guy in 2020, or how he isn't the same guy when he was with Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. And that really stuck with them. And they said his energy was contagious, which we've already talked about. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see if he can back those words up. Right. um, Because obviously results speak louder than anything else. Yeah, and he even said, like, what was the quote where he was like, you know, you can only say, you can't. I'm going to show you. Yeah, you can only say, you can say it, but I'm, the only way people believe you is if you show it. Yeah. If there's a- actual physical evidence. So of he's it. aware. Like, right. Yeah. There's pressure in that regard to show yeah. you aren't the same person you were mm-hmm. in 2020 when you were in Tampa Bay because there have been a lot of learning moments because that was a fair question to ask. Like, mm-hmm. what is the difference between now and then? Yeah. The Falcons didn't hire him as a head coach back in 2021 mm-hmm. after he was the interim. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Why is now the right time? Mm-hmm. But they stood by it because he has changed. Yeah. and. You can grow through those lessons and see how it plays out now. I think it's a partial risk, but I do believe in second chances. Yeah. Love a good second chance. Yeah. And I, I found it really interesting that he went to the Rams and he was 32 when he got that job in Tampa Bay. That's really young. Yeah. Sean McVay was 31. Mm-hmm. So he was able to see how a guy did it. And he talked about how he felt jealous of the relationship between Les and Les Need and Sean McVay. And you can kind of. I don't know exactly what that dynamic looks like, right. but that's what he di- wants with Terry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you can see a building like they yeah. look like they're having fun oh, just gosh. like in two days together. That was a huge takeaway. Those two were broing out. <laughs> they really were. <laughs> they were. They were best friends. Yeah. Like shout out to our social team. They have like a law ad yeah. meme, which oh, was great. <laughs> I, I saw it. that and I was like, guys, are we really going to post this? That's funny. I hope everybody else gets <sighs> to see that soon. Uh, you know, something that I really thought was interesting about the the interview process and everything like that was we haven't heard from Terry Fontenot. I made mention of that earlier. We hadn't heard from Terry Fontenot to this point, but he was the one that was leading all of these interviews. And I thought that what he was talking about, I think he even said like when Raheem, when we were talking to Raheem, like we felt like that this is who we need. Mm-hmm. And I think to have your general manager and then your whole search committee, the group of people that ultimately came helped Arthur Blank to this decision to me I think you're having Terry Fontenot say that it it means a lot because that is a relationship that is very very important the general manager and head coach relationship I mean they get 50 50 and they're reporting straight to Arthur Blank like that relationship has to be on the same level and I don't think they wanted to change that so I think that's why Terry Fontenot, I got it. I kept wanting to say Fontenot, but it's not, not that. that. The T is silent, right, unlike yeah. in Taryn. Yeah. But, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> the T is silent, unlike Now I am silent. Right, yeah, no. Um, because now that they made it clear, Terry 
and Raheem will be reporting to Arthur, mm-hmm. you needed Terry's input to maybe matter the most when yeah. it came to the collaboration. That's who he's going to be working exactly. outside of the coaching staff. Like That dynamic has to yeah. be golden. They got to be the bros. Mm-hmm. They got to be the besties. Right. Did we just become best friends? They did. They did. They really <laughs> did. In, in <laughs> January 25th. Right. It kind of feels that way too, seeing them interact together. Something that came up that I do feel like we need to talk about oh is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here's what I'll say about this. the uh, You knew it was going to be a question. Going multiple into the, questions. Multiple questions because that outside of who is going to be the head coach, who's going to be the starting quarterback in 2024, is the biggest question that the Falcons have to answer this offseason, bar none. So that was, of course, going to be a question. And I thought it was interesting that – Raheem answered it like, you know, we have had conversations, but those have been kind of preliminary conversations. They've been brief. They've been in passing. He hit that minimize button. He did. He was like, yeah. And so he it really was like, you know, we're going to explore every avenue. It was interesting because I was also seeing some things on Twitter or X, the formerly known as Twitter. The there were some people saying, like, do they not have a plan? at quarterback yes like they have a plan I think that that response was less about oh they haven't talked about it they don't have a plan like uh the combine's coming up uh." like I think it's I feel (laughs) it's less about there's less we're just running on caffeine at this point you guys um it's less about that and I think it's more about them holding the cards close to their chest they have a plan you cannot tell me that they have not talked about that but I also think it's fair that he was prioritizing his staff. Mm-hmm. Because if they keep preaching this collaborative, collaborative, collaborative mm-hmm. collaboration, right? then you have to prioritize getting the people who are going to help make that decision mm-hmm. together yeah. in a room, and then they can make it. Like, yes, they have the plan, but you don't have the people necessary in place to completely execute it yet. Mm-hmm. So I do believe that, yeah, it's been a conversation, but it's more so been in passing until we have everyone we need. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're done hiring. The way he was the like, that, yeah. we're almost there. I was like, no, right. no, I want to turn my phone off. <laughs> it's like we want to have a weekend. <laughs> no, we don't have But I don't think they're weekend. done. And yeah. you know what's coming up? The Super Bowl. I know, yeah. So. No, good point. I, I think, too, Thanks. that <laughs> – I think, too, that, like, when – I think about the way that they answered any questions about the quarterback. I thought it was interesting that Raheem made the point that to say, like, Atlanta knows what success looks like at the quarterback position. Or not success, but knows, like, how. What it wants. What it wants. At a high level. At a high level. Like, using kind of those words, I was was really intrigued by the use. I I often, like, care a lot about what people say, um, as I'm sure we all do, being journalists. But... That was really interesting when he was like, Atlanta knows what it's like to see quarterback quarterbacking on a high level. And I, you know, he made quarterbacking. reference. Quarterbacking. Yeah. Uh, he made reference to Matt Ryan, of course. And then he brought up Matthew Stafford with the Rams, who he's seen in action for the last three yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. And we heard him talk about wanting an elite processor, mm. a good decision maker, you know, who's not going to turn over the ball, um, who's going to also like he said cut it loose and play ball so someone who can you know balance the two things Mm -hmm. yeah and that's something that obviously that's what you hope any quarterback like that's to be like the bare minimum like to be able to do those things and so I I really do think especially if you want to be successful but this is the biggest question that they have we know where his priorities lie right now considering Mm -hmm. when he said what he was most excited about he goes Drake London 
and John Robinson. Robinson. Yeah. So obviously there's a quarterback question mark mm-hmm. in the back of his line of who's going to be distributing the ball to those two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it matters. And, you know, to, to kind of look forward – and they didn't give us anything in that press conference, whether it's like, you know, they're like, oh, we could go get a quarterback through the draft or free agency or a trade. Like, all avenues oh, are open. No. And it's like, okay. But yep. it's always good to have that flexibility because right. they can do what they want in right. either regard. Yeah. No, you're right. And so let's move this forward. The Falcons have their head coach. Bless. They, right, yeah. They are building out their staff. It's nearly complete. So – what's next for this team you know we have combine (laughs) back to the quarterback (laughs) i know right honestly we have combine coming up at the end of february we have pro days coming up in march the new league year starts march 13th the free agency window opens up and you know it kind of feels like we're finally to the point where it's like this is we're through all the hectic nature of a coaching search and finally they can zero in on actually building out this team and completing this team because they they do already have so many key pieces in place that I, I think even when I look at this roster it's like they're they should be they I mean I'll say it the record should have been better this year yes. like Raheem Morris said like we got to win the south like that's mm-hmm. literally literally he's like that is a goal he's like I don't want to put any quantitative goals but a goal is to win the NFC south and that was a that was a goal last year. That's something that when you looked at the NFC South last year going into the season, you're like, well, this could this should be the Falcons. Like if they if they can produce, if they can score points, if the defense can have an uptick, which, you know, the the defense did. All of those things going into it, you felt pretty good about it and that's not what happened. And so, yeah, they're setting this goal and this expectation now in February and it needs to be reached. Right. And so how do they get there? What is next for this team in, in y'all's mind? I feel like with the combine coming up and pro days rapidly approaching, mm-hmm. um, you start looking at the newcomers mm-hmm. first before mm-hmm. looking in free agency because I think they know a bit about what the market might look like. Um, I feel like last year it was – yeah. Well, I mean, all the all the balls were out on the court. Everything, right? Yeah, everything. A lot of quarterbacks last year. Yeah, the way that the like scouting cycle works, like even in free agency, like they've been look, they they've known for a year who's going to be available next year. Yeah, like they already, I think they already have. I mean, I probably know they already have multiple targets of who they want to go get. And so with pro days and the combine, they can get a better look Mm -hmm. at. The youngsters. Right. And then you make a good point because they actually are having their February meetings with the whole like college scouting department. Literally, like as we speak, it's happening. We got to go find that room. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and so those are the things that are actively happening right now. So you're kind of getting into the mindset of away from a coaching surgeon into like, all right, here, let's look mm-hmm. at these college guys coming up. The Senior Bowl just happened, so yeah. there was a look at a few guys there. That's what's so crazy about all this. Like, the the Senior Bowl has been a hotbed for this, like, scouting department to, like, draft players who they have, like, made good connections at the Senior Bowl. We haven't even talked about the Senior More Bowl. More than 50% of the past three draft classes came from the Senior Bowl. Right, and that just goes to show you how, like, all-encompassing this coaching search was, how all-encompassing getting the assistants are. I mean, we're going to have the chance to talk to the coordinators probably coming up in the next week or so. There's a lot that was happening. But also while all this is happening, there's a ton of stuff happening behind the scenes in terms of just getting ready for the combine, getting ready for Pro Days, Senior Bowl, free agency. All that's coming up very, very soon, and it's going to, I mean, it's going to be honest before we even know it. 
Yeah. It's going to be what? Honest. Like running. Oh, honest. Upon us. Yeah. I thought you said honest. And I was no. like, do you mean August? No. Honest. <laughs> well, going back to even the press conference with Arthur Blank and Rich McKay, like they felt like they were so close and that the time is to win now. And they yeah. have their first check, right? They have the head coach. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of talk about vision. I mean, there was a great quote. What was it? It's a mentality before it's ever a reality. Like, that was the buzziest of the buzziest. (laughs) But I loved it because, like, at at this point in February, like, that's the, like, for lack of a better word, mentality that you have to have until you can go and execute it. Right. And now they have the chance to do that. It's not reality until it's August. Mm, Good point. Yeah. Or September when the season starts. I was thinking training camp. Oh, well. Preseason matters, Tori. (laughs) Yep, but <laughs> that's such a great note to end on because <laughs> y'all don't want to get into my preseason takes. So thank you guys so much for just going over this press conference. You know, like that was a lot yesterday. I think we worked a lot. We put in a lot of hours, but in the end, I I thought it was pretty fun. I thought it was f- yeah. pretty fun for the fan base to get to see Raheem Morris in action in all of his like smiling glory, if you I'm will. I'm excited to work with him, yeah. work around him, yeah. you know, like weekly press conferences and whatnot yeah see what he's like watch it flip goes into like robot mode no no don't even put that out in the in the universe I don't all right not with that smile mode. right yeah no 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 definitely not all right thank you guys so much for joining us you can catch all of our podcasts which there will be so many podcasts we have so many checkpoints that we need to talk to you guys through and i'm really excited to to do that so Check us out, the uh, Atlanta Falcons Podcast Network, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Pod, wherever you get your podcast, and we will see you again real soon.